a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Another reminder, please have a look at that essay we just discussed with its author uh, on the program here. The interesting position held by that Vanderbilt University professor uh, talking about a unique responsibility borne by the elderly uh, in times of a pandemic. Uh, when resources are scarce, uh, should that be the case? Luckily, luckily, we haven't had to uh, resort to any rationing of that sort. But uh, but he breaks down his own personal attitude on this, not suggesting any policy positions, but uh, it's a fascinating and, if I might, a beautiful and noble attitude which he communicates in that Hastings Center essay there, available again at my Facebook page, Lee Lonsberry. Okay, w- were you paying attention to the news over the weekend? Did you hear what came out of the White House? Yeah, President Trump Yeah, President Trump has signed a quartet, I'm not sure if that's the appropriate word, but there are four of them, a quartet of executive orders, uh, all of them dealing with uh, various uh, elements of unemployment insurance. There is also uh, a postponing of uh, payroll taxes. Uh, he instructs certain administration officials to consider halting evictions and also uh, delays certain student loan payments through the end of the year. That is one approach. There are other suggestions, legislative ones, you know, uh, the legislative branch where the laws get made. <laughs> the House, if you remember, has the power of the purse. All right. Uh, some of those proposals, on the Senate side at least, uh, have come from Utah Senator Mitt Romney, who joins us uh, right now. Senator, sir, how are you? I'm fine, Lee. How are you today? Uh, I'm well. First, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm sorry it's been a while since you and I uh, have spoken. Let me first and foremost ask you, are you, are you frustrated uh, with your colleagues in the House and the Senate right now? Uh, no, it's the way uh, the legislative process works. Uh, fortunately, when the emergency first hit, people came together and unanimously passed a uh, multi-trillion-dollar piece of legislation to try and help people uh, and to keep the economy from completely collapsing. And and uh, now we're at a point where we have some time, and uh, time is being taken. I see. Uh, in a moment, I do want to talk to you about these executive orders signed by the president. But I know uh, that you have put forth a plan to extend unemployment benefits as well and uh, as a measure which would extend uh, aid to some of America's more rural areas. Can you talk to me a bit about those two uh, approaches? Yes, the uh, the idea is to say that, that uh, people should not be paid more uh, for not working than they should be paid while they're working. And so as a bridge to that model, uh, we would bring the $600 uh, a week bonus, which the federal government has been adding to unemployment. We bring that down over three months to $300, at which point we would insist that states uh, have in place a program where people are paid 70 or 80 percent of what they used to be paid. 
And you might think, well, why can't they get 100 percent? Well, the, the reason is because this money is not taxable. It's tax-free. So uh, in order to get people to the same position they were when they were working or a little less, uh, we make it uh, 70 or 80 percent of what they're paid before. Uh, and with regards to, to rural Utah, we're, we're pushing to get money uh, to cities and towns directly instead of going through states and counties. Uh, we're also pushing for more money going into rural hospitals and an education we want to have money going into helping our schools, particularly to get broadband in places where we don't have it. I understand. Getting back to that notion you mentioned a moment ago of individuals who, while on the receiving end of the unemployment uh, insurance payments plus the $600 worth of federal money, that acting as an incentive uh, not to go back to work. I know, at least from my observations, anecdotally, uh, a few uh, people that I know, uh, I won't be any more specific than that, but uh, I do know of some of these cases you describe. What, what did it look like from, from your end? How, how widespread did, were you able to observe this problem actually being? Well, among members of, of the Senate, we, uh, we tried to poll as well as we could what we were hearing from various employees and employers. Uh, and we heard in a number of cases that employers said they were unable to hire back some of the people that they had previously employed uh, because they were making so much more unemployed than they were when they were working. Uh, the $600 bonus was a compromise. It was the result of the fact that most states said they couldn't do a, a calculation for individuals. Their computer systems wouldn't allow it. They needed to send out just a flat rate check for everybody. Mm. And that didn't make a lot of sense. So that was done for a while. It had an unintended consequence in some cases of people, you know, not going back to work. And that's why I've proposed a, a plan that gets people to a 70 or 80 percent of what they were making before. That, of course, helps people that need the help, but it doesn't create any kind of incentive to stay home. And by the way, people are smart. If you can't get paid more to stay home and not be exposed to COVID, that's what you're going to do. Right, yeah. It makes plenty of sense to me. Uh, and, and I'm just lucky I wasn't tempted by that same circumstance. I, I have no idea how I would have reacted. Uh, now, onto these executive orders. Uh, the, the president signed four of them. Uh, your first blush react, when you caught wind of all these and started to review them, how do you react? Well, um, my legal uh, staff has taken a look at the executive orders and, and believe that the president has uh, a, a good, reasonable um, uh, case to be made, that he has the authority to, to do what he has, uh, what he has described. In, in all the, four uh, instances? Uh, well, it, some, some are more aspirational. I think it's fair to say. I look, I look for instance, at the eviction um, uh, holiday, right. and, and that strikes me as being an aspirational uh, request. Uh, but but delaying uh, student loan payments, uh, that's probably something you can do. Uh, deferring un, uh, uh, payroll tax collection, that's something he can probably do as well. Of course, the tax the tax is still due, uh, so uh, the, the the money is still going to be uh, going into the government coffers. It's just being delayed. Uh, the big one, of course, is unemployment insurance, where he's saying, "Look, we're going to we're going to uh, add three hundred dollars, and the states will put in another hundred, so we're going to get you a four hundred dollar bonus for unemployment insurance." And and he's doing that under under emergency uh, conditions, and that's kind of questionable in terms of whether that would hold up if it were challenged. But I can't imagine the Democrats challenging that. I can't imagine the Democrats going out and saying, "Hey." We don't want that $400 going to the unemployed. 
So, you know, it's kind of a, a tenuous legal position, perhaps, that the president has taken, according to the legal folks that have briefed me, but one which probably will be in place until a deal is reached by the Republicans and Democrats in Congress. L- legally, uh, I, I, I tend to I mean, I'm a layman. I haven't been to law school. Uh, I was a congressional aide for a little bit and, and very much uh, was a student of the you know, proper separation of powers of all that. And, and so legally, uh, you, you may be right. But uh, does in spirit, in spirit, does this smack a little bit of an encroachment on the responsibilities of the legislative branch? Well, I'm sure that's how it, it will be seen, and uh, I think the more egregious um, uh, act in that regard was with regards to taking money that was uh, appropriated for the military and for emergencies and using it to build the border fence or the border wall, uh, particularly when Congress had, had already voted no not to provide that funding. Uh, so that was a pretty much of a, a straight slap in the face at Congress. Um, this this is not quite at the same level, but but again, these executive orders, uh, you know, we Republicans have complained about them uh, in the past. Uh, I think for good reason, and and you know now we're now we're carrying them out ourselves uh, through a Republican president, and you know it it it, it is stretching the uh, the constitutional separation of powers um, in a in a time which of course is quite unusual with the COVID crisis going on. But I, for one, would like to get help to the unemployed and to make sure that they're able to keep paying their rent and, and their other obligations and buying food and getting health care. Um, so it'll probably pass legal muster, uh, would be my mm-hmm. guess, if it's even challenged. But you're, you're right. It's, uh, this is the way things are supposed to be, supposed to be done. Senator Romney, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. Well, before you go, uh, August is typically recess month in Congress. What's taking place right now and where are you? Uh, I'm in Salt Lake today, which is the first time I've been here in a while, given the uh, the COVID crisis. But we are still in session. Uh, we met this morning by phone with uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Secretary of Treasury, uh, uh, Mnuchin, and also the Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. So we're working uh, remotely, and I'm going to be going across the state, meeting with various groups. I'll be uh, at, in Bryce Canyon uh, tomorrow uh, on four-wheelers, meeting together with the county commissioners. So we're, <laughs> oh. we're, we're kind of here and there at the same time. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. Don't strain yourself. It's getting, <laughs> that's some hard work there. Uh, thank you so much, Senator. Uh, m- my understanding, if, if you're called back for votes, you're, you're on a plane immediately? That's exactly right. Well, they, they told us uh, any votes will have 24-hour notice, and I'll get right back. Very good. Senator Romney, thank you so much for your time. Uh, good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Quick, quick break. When we return, we'll be uh, jumping across the U.S. Capitol over uh, from the Senate side to the House side. My guest will be Representative John Curtis. He, uh, along with others, have recently introduced the Returning Inappropriate Cash Handouts Act. What's that? Well, it turns out there are some millionaires who qualified for unemployment insurance payments. We'll get to the bottom of that and find out what he's doing about it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.